I believe we're in the greatest hour of the church, the bride of Jesus Christ. That's us. And he's making us ready, okay? And I remember as I grew up in church, and uh, I, some may have said I had a drug problem. I was drugged to church Sunday morning. I was drugged to church Sunday evening. I was drugged to church on Wednesday. So I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with what's going on, okay? And I remember thinking as a young person that, you know, I'm going to get my life ready when I hear the trumpet, right? You know, I'm going to kind of like one foot in the world thing and one foot over here in the kingdom of God. And, you know, I'm going to do what I can. And, and when Jesus blows that trumpet, like I'm going to get it all ready right then. Has anybody else thought that? I learned that was pretty, that was pretty foolish, but uh, we would, for some reason, there was this mindset that Jesus was going to come back and he was going to make everything ready. He was going to do the work. Well, I know Bill Johnson has said that because of what Jesus Christ has done at the cross, it doesn't allow us to be spectators, but it demands us to be participants. Did you hear me? We want to just, I mean, that's us. Our human nature is like, let somebody else go do the dirty work, right? I'll, give, I'll be the cheering section. Rah, rah, go get them, right? But that's not what Jesus has done and prepared us for. He came, laid his life down and said, it's imperative that I return to the Father because when I do, the Holy Spirit is going to come. The promise of the Father is going to come. And why would we need this? Pastor Phil would say, look, if the only reason that Jesus saved you was to get you to heaven, then you would spontaneously combust when you said, Jesus Christ, be my Lord and Savior. So I didn't see anybody spontaneously combust lately as they've prayed the sinner's prayer. So that means he's got a purpose and a mission for us. And I hope you hear me today. As he had said to these fishermen one day on the Sea of Galilee, come follow me. But let's turn in our Bibles. I said Matthew 4, verse 18. 4, verse 18. And Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And then he said to them, follow me. Somebody say, follow me. Follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets, and they followed him. You know, I remember learning about this story as a child sitting in Sunday school. And I, even as I grew into a young man, a young adult, and I would read this, and I would ask myself, what, what did he say? Who, Jesus Christ, can we just lean in to know Jesus a little bit more today? Who was he that when he said this command, come follow me, that, we're going to dig into this a little bit, but just to give you, these men were, they were, there were generations of their fathers and their father's fathers before them that had fished. And this was what, back in those days, they didn't have a, you know, a career center or a college that you could go to and you could just kind of switch your career and do all these things. They pretty much did what was like in the line of their fathers, okay? And these men, seeing Jesus walking on the shore of the, the, the Sea of Galilee, the shoreline there, and he came up to them and he said, come follow me, and they immediately left their nets. I thought, that is amazing. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? That what, When he said this, these men left everything. Probably generations of a business that had been built. You businessmen know how hard this is. And these sons to say, we're following this guy. And I don't even know, just imagine with me for a few minutes, imagine 
We read through the rest of the New Testament. We kind of know what happens as it, you know, so, so sometimes when we read this, our minds go to like, oh yeah, Jesus walked on the water. Like, like we almost know the end from the beginning. So we think it's a little easier to come follow Jesus at this point. These men didn't know that. They didn't know that there were going to be blind eyes open, that there were going to be dead men come out of graves, that there were going to be the lame to walk, the blind to see. They didn't know all of these miracles. But the curiosity, something, the curiosity in this conversation drew them to leave what they had, to leave what was familiar, to leave what was comfortable, and to come and to follow Jesus. Is anybody hearing me this morning? Melody, or uh, Whitney was praying it earlier about how it's foolishness to some, but to us who are saved... Is anybody saved here this morning and can testify? To us who are saved is the power of God. Amen? Amen? And so, more than ever, we need to be following Jesus Christ in the day that we're living in. Somebody say amen. There is, uh, we were at a prayer meeting earlier this week. Pastor Tammy had encouraged us as a staff to go to a prayer meeting that's happening throughout Orange County. There's pastors coming together. Listen, God's moving. Don't read the headlines and get lured into thinking that, oh, it's all going you know, south real quick. Jesus Christ is still Lord. He's still on the throne, and he still knows what's going on. Amen? And so we need to be following Jesus more than ever. And this day that we're living in, there is so much. Even in the church, the church has been so divided, but we need to work so much harder to be united in Christ Jesus. John 17 Jesus prayed that we would be as he is one with the Father and that we would be one with him. There would be this divine unity, this, this unity within the Trinity of God and with each other. And in that place, in that place of unity, that the world would know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We need to be following more than ever Jesus Christ in the Spirit because I know some of you that I've even talked to today, the turmoil, the trials, the tribulation you're going through, the questions that you're asking. Can I tell you? To those of you, I, I've, there has been so many of these um, exemption things that I'm filling out lately. It's multiple a week. So please know, we're here for you. We're praying with you. We're interceding. And I want you to know that Jesus Christ will provide for you regardless. Regardless. If you're worried about losing a job because of that, he'll still provide for you. There are things that we can do. There are information we can help you with. There are things that you need to know. There are resources out there for you. But as you go through every open door and you're obedient, you take every step that you need to take. And if that thing, that door closes in front of you, know that it's Jesus Christ closing the door. And he is the one that can close doors that only he can close. And he is the one that opens doors that only he can open. He will. He promised. Somebody say promised. He will provide for you. Whatever you need. Spiritually, emotionally, physically. The birds don't beg, and they're fed. The flowers of the field aren't out there spinning their clothes on a little, whatever they do, the spindle. I think of like, you know, Rapunzel and whatever that is, not, the, not that fairy tale, the one where she's like, you know, weaving. No, that's not the, how the flowers do it. They're provided. And he said, how much more important? Somebody say important. Somebody say, I'm important to God. I don't see birds in the medial strip asking for $20 bills. Come on, he's going to provide for you. All right, that was sidetracked. Okay, here we go, here we go. These four men that encountered Jesus that day, I want, you to, I want you to journey with me. I want you to ask yourself the question, have I found the Messiah? 
That's point number one for you that are taking notes. Point number one, have you found the Messiah? The title's Come Follow Me. So that's, we're past that. Come, have you found the Messiah? Because what happened is, as I dug into this, and I'm just going to show it to you how God showed it to me, because this, this didn't just happen on the shoreline that day in Matthew chapter 4, though it, it sounds that way. So John chapter 1, somebody say John chapter 1. Verse 40 and 41, you can turn there. It says that Jesus, or it says that one of them who had heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He was found, he found his own brother, and he said to them, we have found the Messiah. So these men were in a place of, of they were, their heart was in expectation. It wasn't just a random guy that came walking down the shore of Galilee that day. It was one who they had been looking for. And there was this awareness because as John chapter one said, that Simon went and told him prior to the Sea of Galilee encounter that we have found the Messiah. Have you found the Messiah, Jesus Christ? We have found him. This, this word Messiah means the anointed one, the Christ. Amen? What is he anointed for? What is he anointed for? Well, that he is anointed as the prophet, king, and priest. Did you hear me? That's what sets him apart as Messiah. There's been anointed people that are the prophet. There's anointed people in the Old Testament that were priests. There were anointed people that were king, okay? You can think of names for each one of those. Elijah, the prophet, the king, David, on and on and on. But he was anointed as all three offices. That makes him the Messiah fulfilling all of those prophecies. He is the Messiah. That's how powerful that statement was when Andrew said it to Simon Peter. We have found the Messiah. Greater than the prophets that we've heard of. We have found the one. And this Messiah, as we look into Luke, because Luke is going to give us some bigger details. You can go ahead and flip to Luke chapter 5 for just a minute. Luke chapter 5 kind of puts this Sea of Galilee experience into slow-mo. How many of you like football? Right? Penn State lost yesterday. Come on. Don't make me start praying. No, just kidding. I like... I actually, I like watching the game on TV because you can see what? The replay, where it happened so fast. You're like, how did the touchdown happen? In my case, how did the interception happen or whatever? But you see it in replay and it slows it down so you can see every detail. So Luke chapter five gives us a few more details and I don't have time to go into every single one of these. But before we even get to Luke chapter five, you've got to understand that what did Jesus Christ come to do as the Messiah? We said a few things earlier, but I want to get down into his mission statement. Right? As a new president takes the office, they've got an inauguration speech, they're going to tell you everything that they're going to accomplish in the next four years, right? Well, Jesus had an inauguration speech. Did you know that? And he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Let's just call him our president. But he is our king, and he is our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen? And I think we need to understand, and we need to even be able to apply this to our lives every day. Because if we're going to follow him, we got to know where he's leading through. So, in Luke chapter 4, 18, and you don't need to turn there, I'm going to give it to you. He said that the spirit of the Lord was upon him and had anointed him. So he gets up on the day, the Sabbath day. He gets in the synagogue. He opens up to Isaiah chapter 61, and he starts, he starts reading this. For the spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, and setting at liberty those that were bruised, because this is the acceptable year of the Lord. Closes the book, sets it down. You and I need to know that we are in the greatest period of church history. 
We need to be identifying broken areas and asking the Father in the name of Jesus Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, how do we fix them? Did you hear me? Let me say it again. We need to, in the day that we're living, we need to see broken areas in our society, in our marriages, in our family, in our own personal life, and we need to ask the Father in the name of Jesus Christ, empowered by Holy Spirit, how do we fix them? Because he said that his house would be called a house of prayer. This house, this house would be called a house of prayer. And I may not know what to do to fix it. But the most important thing we can be doing is starting with prayer. As Pastor Tammy shared a few weeks ago, we can start with prayer, the most important thing. Can I tell you, if Jesus Christ comes at that point and you started praying, you are found obedient. But I will tell you, as you open up your mouth and you intercede and you ask for the help of heaven on your behalf and for a vision and a revelation of what we're to do, that God will start pouring out into that situation. A name may come to mind, an idea, a person, a conversation. You'll hear somebody talking about me. Wait a minute, wait a minute. There's, I need to seize this time. We were at the, like, like I said, we were praying last yesterday about the border. It's a, it's a horrific situation. And um, if you're not aware of it, they just released a news report yesterday. The headline read that there are 1,666,000, I, I don't think that's ironic, 1,666,167 documented illegal immigrants that have crossed the border just in California. They believe that there's up to 400,000 that have escaped from just California. That's just California. There are pastors in Mexico that are asking pastors in America, could you come together and pray with us? Because not only this is, is this a problem in the United States, it's creating a problem in Mexico because now there are people flooding into Mexico to get into our border. Do you hear me? The problem is, as it's been said to us, that there are men and individuals that are taking advantage of these people. And there are people that are carrying dead bodies, dead children across the border because they have dehydrated, they have died. This is a horrific situation. This is, as I heard these people talking about it, all I could picture was the, the good Samaritan. And it was the Levite that walked by and it was the priest that walked by, but the Samaritan came by and he got off of his, off of his dunk and he got down and he did what he was there to do. What he, what, he just did something took the oil, bandaged up the wounds, took the man, put him on his beast and took him to the inn. Listen, we are living in a period of time where we need to hear things like this. It's time to pray. It's time to move into action. I'm uh, excited to let you know that there is gonna be more information about an opportunity to actually go there and to pray over the border. If they're not gonna put a physical one up, let's put a spiritual one up. And there are people that are being put in detention centers. No, come on, listen to me. These, these people aren't just like, yeah, give me your name, give me your number, give us an email so we can reach you later and just go on and have a happy life in the United States. They're putting them in private prisons. They're, they're basically containing them in prisons. We were at one of those yesterday. I didn't go in, but I want you to know something, that these are souls. These are souls. And this is an opportunity for us to repent, first off and first foremost, church. We need to repent. I believe that there is blood that cries out in our nation because of aborted children. And there are children being carried across our border, some of them that are just there for people to take advantage of, and this is an opportunity to pray. We need husbands to rise up here in our congregation. Men, we need to, we need to see the broken areas in our families. We need to see the broken areas in our marriage. We need to start praying about those because when I see things happening outside in the world, Revival happens here so that an awakening can happen there. 
Did you hear me? A revival happens here so that, it, come on, no, that's worth, that's worth, we need to, we need revival. Revive us again, oh God. That because when I see that out there, I got to start saying, God, is there anything in me? Fix me, God. Fix me. The broken areas in my life. Is there something in my life that doesn't look like it, it's, it's out of alignment with you? Because God, I need, I need you to move through me and in me. It's like Isaiah coming before the Lord in Isaiah 6. And he said, you know, he, he's like, whoa, it's me. I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. Well, did he stay in that place? No, because just a few seconds later, God's having a conversation with himself and saying, who are we going to send to these? Who are we going to send as a messenger? And Isaiah said, wait, Lord, wait, that's me. Send me, send me, I'll go back. David, when he was complaining about the enemies and he said, Lord, those that have trespassed against you and they've, they've caused harm, like I pray that your vengeance and your judgment would rain down on them, right? We want to pray that a lot of times. But in Psalms, he got to the place where he was saying that and he said, no, wait, Lord, if there's anything in me that doesn't look like you, if there's any unrighteousness in me, change me, right? Because when I see a problem there, it should cause me to say, God, get me ready, get me ready. Yes, ready for his second coming, but we're in a battle. He's won the war. We're in the battle and we got to keep fighting. Okay. Amen. Here we go. Have you found the Messiah? Because the Messiah has come to do what? We just talked about it. The spirit of the Lord was upon him. So how are you going to do it? Spirit of the Lord upon you. How are you going to do it? An anointing, something coming over you. Even I'll tell you, it starts with prayer, starting with prayer. Something's going to come over you and let's be active in the culture and society around us. That's what it means to be a influence. Wait a minute. That sounds familiar around here. A divine influence. Be divinely influenced, causing an impact in the world around you. That's a great idea. <laughs> Fishers of men, Luke 5. I don't have time to go into all of this, but I want you to see something that happens here. As the multitudes are throning around Jesus, they're, they're enthroned around him, and he is being pressed back against the shore. This is what's actually happening in this Matthew chapter 4 situation. This is the slow, instant replay. So he's being pressed back against the shore. He turns around. He goes, oh, look, there's two boats right here. Let me jump in those. Can I borrow your boats? They get in the boats. He goes out. He starts preaching. He's done with the sermon, and he looks to Simon, and he says, launch out into the deep, and let your nets down. Just a little side note. You catch fish at night. You catch a lot of fish at night. That's when they get hungry and they're moving around and they, you know, the other predators can't see them. So they had already been fishing all night long. So fast forward. But Simon answered him and said, Master, we're in verse five. We have toiled all night long and we've caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will. Somebody say, nevertheless, nevertheless. at your word, I will. Nevertheless, at your word, I will. Have you met the Messiah, the one who is the word of God that's made flesh and dwelt among us? The very expression of God becomes tangible to us. Lived, died, rose again, and is seated at the right hand of the Father so that when we have an encounter with Jesus Christ, what happens is there's doubt. Somebody say doubt. See, what's going on here in Simon is he's doubting. We've heard of Doubting Thomas. Well, this is, this is Simon's moment of doubt. We've all had a moment of doubt. Has anybody had any doubt? I've had some doubt lately. I don't know, God, are you gonna come through? It's, can I be honest with you? It's scary when you step out in faith. It may feel like you're alone when you step out in faith. Simon was doubting this. He was doubting our Savior, but he's doubting Jesus' ability to know how to catch fish. We caught it, we've, we've, like, it's, it's a nothing day. It's time to go home and just rest and let's get up tomorrow and do it again. 
But he said, nevertheless, at your word, I will. And when they had done this, they caught out a great number of fish. Their nets were breaking. So they signaled for their other partners in the other boat to come and they helped them. And when they had came and they filled the boats so that they began to sink, somebody say, <laughs> when Simon Peter saw what he fell down at the knees of Jesus saying, depart from me for I am a sinful man. Depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. See, when you are in a place of doubt, it's an opportunity for you to see a miracle of God. Did you hear me? When you are in a place of doubt and you move beyond the doubt, you're at a place for an opportunity to see a miracle. Many of you are in a place to see a miracle of God because the miracle of God proves to you who he is. Amen? His word, Jesus, when he ministered, he ministered, he preached, and his word was affirmed by the what? The miracles. Have you overcome your doubt of yourself and of Jesus? Because the next thing that Peter's got to overcome is the doubt of himself. Verse nine. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish that they had just taken. And so also were James and John and the sons of Zebedee, who were their partners with Simon. And Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Somebody say, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So that when they had brought their boats and they landed them, they forsook all and they followed him. Come follow him. Come follow me, Jesus said. See, in the place where, when you look at the replay of this, they had to overcome their doubts. There was doubt. The doubt in who Jesus was, but the miracles proved it. But when you doubt yourself, you need to hear the promise. Did you hear me today? See, when you're in a place of doubt and you're, God, are you gonna come through? Is it gonna work? I'm standing on your word. I don't know. It's an opportunity for a miracle. But when you're in the place of seeing the miracle, now it's an opportunity for you to start moving forward and advancing in the kingdom of God. And you may doubt yourself, but when you doubt yourself, it's an opportunity for you to know the promises of God. How are you gonna do that? This right here. Because Jesus said, I will make you catch men. I never caught that before. And the thing about this word catch in the Greek means to continuously catch. They went from fishing. Does anybody know a thing about fishing? You can get skunked when you go fishing. We went fishing the other day, back when I was in Pennsylvania. We, we go there every year for our family vacation. And I'm not a fisherman, but my son, our son, River, loves fishing. You name a kid, River, and what does he love? He loves the water. He loves fishing. He loves everything about it. Fishing bored me because I never caught anything. That's why they call it fishing. But Jesus said, I will make you catch. Somebody say catch. So we're there, and we go. We get the boat loaded up. And the boat that my dad has, it's for recreation. We do the tubing, the wakeboarding, the water skiing, all that. And now we've added fishing rods to this thing. And, you know, we're not, I'm not going to go over We're not going to catch anything. It's no big worry. But I'm going to drown some worms, and we're going to try. And, you know, hopefully River gets something so he doesn't say, Dad, we got skunked again. And so we get there to the bank. We get the boat up, and uh, we all kind of, like, play and swim. And they'll throw their worms out there to drown them. But River sees the fish, and River looks at me. And he didn't ask, Dad, did you bring the fishing rod? He said, Dad, did you bring the net? I'm like, River, there's not a net on our boat. 
I brought the fishing rods. He's like, no, dad, the fish, the fish are right there. We need the net. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, when we go to the marina, I'll go and I will look for the net. So day two, similar spot. Get the boat there. We got the, all the toys out in the water. You know, we're swimming, we're having fun. The worms are drowning and River sees the fish. Dad, go get the net. I said, River, they didn't have one at the marina. He's like, Dad, you didn't bring the net? And you went to the marina and you didn't buy the net? It's like, how are we gonna get the fish? Jesus said, I would make you catch men. And when he said this, he was talking about a continuation of catching men. It wasn't like, let's just go drown some worms and let's hope that we catch something. He's like, bring your net with you. We're guaranteed catching men and advancing the kingdom of God. Do you hear me? We are called to follow Jesus Christ, but we are called to continually advance the kingdom of God. There are people around us that I believe, look, Jesus Christ is gonna do it, but he has given us an opportunity to go through and in us and through us to advance his kingdom. Have you brought your nets today? These men dropped and forsook all and they followed Jesus knowing that there was a guaranteed catch. There may be some things that you guys are going through today as we get ready to close. I wanna pray for you. And I wanna pray for two people, for two groups of people. My heart is heavy with this. If you don't know Jesus Christ, I don't know what's ahead of us, but I know who does. And that's where you want your life placed in his hands. You, if you don't know Jesus Christ today as your personal Lord and your personal Savior, today is the day. You haven't been placed in here by an accident or by coincidence. It's because God's wanted you here. You're not watching online because you stumbled upon it. You know, that may be what happened naturally, but it's been by a divine appointment ordained by God. And today's your day to come into a relationship with your personal Savior, Jesus Christ. If he did it for one, he did it for you. So I want to pray for you. But the next group of people that I want to pray for is those today that may need to forsake something and leave it behind. Did you hear me? Maybe it's a doubt. Look for the miracle. Maybe it's a doubt in Jesus Christ. Look for the miracle. He's a big God. He can prove to you who he is. Do you hear me? Who's got a miracle? Raise your hand if you've got a miracle that you know in your life that Jesus Christ has proven himself to you. Come on, come on. Do you see that? I got miracles in my life. Like Pastor Phil said, when he read the word of God and he gave his life to Jesus Christ, he knew that he was saved. He looked in the mirror because he thought, maybe I'm gonna look better. <laughs> He's actually pretty handsome looking. But he said, nothing changed here, but everything changed in here. Look, those hands that were raised were a miracle that Jesus Christ proved to us who he is and he'll do the same for you. But the next thing is if you need to put some doubt behind of your ability to advance the kingdom of God, I want you to leave that here today because there's a world that's hurting. There's a world that's looking for a fisherman with a net that's not going to just drown worms, but, it's going, but is going out there to have a catch. They need people that hold the answers, that will intercede and petition heaven on their behalf. That's you and I. Jesus said the world can't receive the Holy Spirit because the world doesn't see him or know him, but we do, and so therefore we must. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, today in this way, you can stand to your feet. Let's all stand. He's in the room today. Jesus Christ has been in the room today. He's here to save. 
He's here to set free. He's here to heal. He's here to show a miracle to who needs a miracle. He's here to cast doubt out. And if you're in this place today and you would say, Pastor, would you pray with me? Look, I'm not the one who saves you. It's Jesus Christ. He did it at the cross over 2,000 years ago. I'm agreeing with you and believing with you. If that's you, if you want to give your life to Jesus Christ today, hold your hand up boldly. He went to the cross not afraid. Hold your hand up. You're saying, I need a miracle. Jesus, I want to know you. I want you to prove to me who you are. I thank you that you're capable. I thank you that you know me right where I'm at and you came to save me. you come to save us and to restore that which was lost. And I'm one of those. Pastor, Father, Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior, we thank you that you are in this room to save. And for those today that would say, Jesus Christ, confess with your mouth, Jesus Christ, you are my Lord. You are my Savior. I give you my life today. I surrender today. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that today, the Bible says that when you confess with your mouth because you believe in your heart, it's at that point that you're saved. But I want to pray for you today. If you need to lay something beside, if you need to lay something down, I want you to do that while we sing this song. I want you to lay down doubt. I want you to lay down fear. I want you to lay down. If you've got unforgiveness, start with that. He's forgiven you so that you could forgive. Lay these things down. Let them hear. Don't take them back out with you. They need people who are carrying lightweight. That's us. That's us carrying nets, ready to go catch and advance the kingdom of God. Heavenly Father, we pray for those today. As we sing this song, God, I pray that there would be breakthrough. The God of uh, El Perazon, the God of breakthrough, we declare it in Jesus' name, that if there's a person in here needing a breakthrough, physically, mentally, emotionally, God, you meet them. We declare it. We agree together in believing, Lord, and while we're singing this song, things are going to be laid aside. Burdens are going to be left down. Lord, unforgiveness, resentment, bitterness, anger, resentment, whatever that may be, God, left here at this place. So, God, that you would use us. Fill us, Holy Spirit. When there's room made, I pray that the Holy Spirit would fill that heart, fill that, make it your home. God, that we could, we could go forth in power, in might, in ability. God, there's a hurting world that needs us. Advance the kingdom, God. You promised us of catching. We ask you for souls, for souls, Lord, for at the border, for souls. These, these people that are in prison being held captive, God, by our nation. I don't understand why I ask for forgiveness. I repent, but we pray for their souls, these souls, the young people, the old people, the man, the woman, with souls in Jesus' name. God, we love you, and we worship you, and we give you the glory. Let's sing it out, Influence Church.